0: Counseling and Disability Ministry, a conversation with Johnny Erickson Tata on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Heath Lambert and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. I am excited that our guest on the podcast this week is Johnny Erickson Tata and her husband, Ken. Johnny is the founder and CEO of Johnny and Friends International and is a popular Christian author and Christian speaker. One of the things that you'll notice about our podcast this week is that the format is different in a couple of respects. First of all, our podcast is normally about 10 minutes. We try to have that be uh, short enough to give you some content that's helpful, but not so long that you have to make a great big commitment in order to be able to listen to it. That's a little different this week because our conversation with Johnny and Ken was so fruitful, we just wanted to give you the whole thing. So it's about a 45-minute conversation that I hope you'll take the time to listen to and be encouraged by. Another reality that makes the format a little bit different is that the conversation this week is hosted not by me, but by Sean Perrone, who is the chief of staff of ACBC. Sean caught up with Johnny and Ken and had a wide-ranging conversation with them about Johnny's story, their story together, about disability ministry, about the sufficiency of scripture, and about how to help people affected by disabilities. I think this conversation is really encouraging, really helpful, and I hope you enjoy it as much as
1: I did. Johnny, I'd love to hear about your story. I know many people probably know it, but there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast that don't. So tell us a little bit about your story.
2: Well, I I can't believe that it's been 50 years, oh my goodness, Wow. uh, since I took that fateful dive into shallow water so many years ago, 1967. I was a 17-year-old, excited about going off to college in just a month, and uh, on a fling went swimming with my sister on the Chesapeake Bay of Maryland dove into what I thought was deep water but immediately when my head hit the sandy bottom it snapped my head back crushing my neck at the fourth cervical level and uh, I realized real fast I was in shallow water and I was face down and I I could not write myself out of the water I was just desperately holding my breath hoping that uh, my sister might notice that I was in danger, and I could only hold my breath so long, and I'm screaming in my head, Kathy, please see me. Well, Kathy had her back turned to me, Mm -hmm. and she was just about ready to leave the water to walk up onto the beach uh, toward our towel, and a crab bit her toe. And in that instant, she quickly whirled around in the water to scream to me to watch out for crabs, and when she did, she saw my blonde hair floating on the water, and When I didn't respond to her call, she knew immediately something awful had happened and came uh, swimming very rapidly toward me, pulled me up out of the water, Mm. spitting and sputtering. I was gasping for breath. And when my sister told me that story months later, I thought, oh, my goodness, what a sovereign God we have who can even move a little sea creature into just the right position to pinch my sister's toe Mm -hmm. just when someone needed to be alarmed that, Another person was in trouble, and it, it, it just, from the very beginning, helped me see that God is concerned not only with the big issues of life, but the small, tiny, seemingly insignificant, incidental little things, like a crab biting someone's toe. Mm. Uh, it, 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 to me, was a, uh, a strange but a comforting assurance that God was in the details.
3: Wow.
2: He was in the details from the very beginning, so...
1: Wow, so that was 50 years ago.
2: 50 years ago. I sound old, don't no, I? No, no.
1: <laughs> and then now you, I mean, your ministry, Johnny and Friends, has impacted millions of people. And how did that come about? I'm, I'd love to hear that part of the story as well.
2: Well, in 25 words or less, I'll try and squeeze it into, okay. I was a mouth artist. I was drawing, you know, paintings and pictures, holding brushes between my teeth. I went to the University of Maryland, studied art and you know just I wanted to be an artist since I was now disabled and could not use my hands or my legs I'm sitting down in a wheelchair I'm thinking what can I do well at least Hmm. I could paint and so uh, I was um, showing my artwork locally and a local NBC affiliate picked it up and then before I knew it I was on the Today Show in New York and sharing my testimony with Barbara Walters and Then a Christian publisher heard me that morning and asked if I'd write a book about my autobiography. And then Mr. Graham and Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, read the book and let's make a movie. And before I knew it, I was catapulted onto a national platform back in the 70s and the 1980s. And immediately, even though I was still a young person, I realized that God was giving me this remarkable sphere of influence and that I had to be a good steward of it. Especially when letters started coming in from all over the world, letters asking questions like, "My son's disabled. How 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 did you get up out of depression? Mm-hmm. Uh, can I help him out of depression? Well, what about my pastor? Your church seems to have embraced your special needs family. What about mine? Um, what about miraculous healing? What does the Bible say about that?" Question after question, and so in my efforts to steward those. Opportunities well, I began a ministry called Johnny and Friends in 1979. And we were dedicated to equip the church to um, not only communicate the gospel, but to evangelize and disciple and shepherd and embrace people affected by disability. And that's what we've been doing for over three and a half decades now. And I so enjoy my work.
1: That is a perfect segue um, to my first question. So, Johnny and Friends ministry to help people who are affected by disability. ACBC is a ministry for counseling and providing resources to help people to do ministry. How does Johnny and Friends and the mission behind Johnny and Friends and the mission behind ACBC, how would you say those two relate?
2: Well, we were just in a conversation with Dr. Al Moler and he was describing that every relationship is is every every. every opportunity is a counseling Mm -hmm. opportunity and i I believe that uh because we're all broken to one degree or another Uh, my brokenness sitting here in a wheelchair without use of my hands or my legs is just a little more visible than, than your brokenness um that doesn't mean necessarily that i'm minimizing my disability it's just that the same struggles that i wrestle with are probably ones that you understand so um I think first and foremost, we need to see that when um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that God, the God of all comfort has comforted us so that we can comfort others in any trial. I love that word, any. You don't have to be a quadriplegic to relate to other people with disabilities. You could be healthy, able-bodied, a typical person running around. And the, 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 the issues that you overcome in your life, the grace that you see effectual in your brokenness, is, is is something that gives you the platform from which to speak into the heart of someone with a mm-hmm. with cerebral palsy, or someone with quadriplegia or multiple sclerosis, mm-hmm. or someone who's been newly diagnosed with uh, 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 ALS. Mm-hmm. So there are all kinds of ways that mm-hmm. that we can then um, minister and serve others. It, it's my hope and desire that um, that we can somehow partner, serve, equip. Uh, our friends in the biblical counseling world to um, have the tools, to have the knowledge, even the language to speak into the hearts of special needs families, to show them the love of Christ, to embrace them, and not just to minister to them, but but receive from them because Mm. there is so much that persons with disabilities and their families can share with others who are typical.
1: Yeah. So with ACBC, it's not just ACBC, there's many many counseling organizations, biblical counseling organizations, that have a commitment to the sufficiency of Scripture for the counseling problems, not the medical issues, but counseling issues. How in your ministry have you seen the sufficiency of Scripture impact people that you've been ministering to, and how have you come to to see that doctrine as important?
2: Well, it, you're absolutely right. It is so important. I'm convinced that the Word of God is sufficient for every counseling mm-hmm. need, um, no matter how severe or significant mm. the issue um, apart from medical challenges mm. and, and um, uh, disabilities which might require medication or other, yeah. other kinds of medical treatment yeah. um, because there are all sorts of disabling conditions such as psychiatric illnesses mm. and mental illnesses, certain mm. kinds of mental illnesses which require medical help. Yes. But um, where it concerns accepting the will of God, embracing the will of god when it comes to recognizing your own sin uh, dealing with it confessing it when it comes to getting actively engaged in your own sanctification uh, you don't have to have a disability Mm. um whether no matter no matter what your challenge is these are issues that we all wrestle with we all struggle with Mm. so the fact is all scripture applies to to a person with a disability uh now, I recall when someone was first told me um, to look at Romans 8:28 that all things fit together into a pattern for good uh, to those who love God. I wretched I at the idea. I'd, I found it repulsive. Mm-hmm. I felt like vomiting on that person's shoes. How dare he tell me that this could be part of God's good plan for me? And my friend challenged me and said, no, Johnny, the Bible's not saying that all things are good. It's saying that all things, even though they may be Horrific, hmm. tragic, life-altering, even those things, God can miraculously mold into a beautiful pattern in your life. And that pattern is in Romans eight twenty-nine: hmm. that you be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that uh, you become less of the stubborn, stubborn, headstrong teenager that you once were and become more of the young woman who can reflect something of patience and endurance and hmm. tolerance and self-control, long suffering. When I began to see that, it was as though someone struck a match in my heart. Mm. It's like, Oh my goodness, God's word does work in my life. Mm. I'm going to take this football. I'm going to run with it. Mm. And uh, there were many other scriptures that God used in that way in my life. So the challenge is when and how do you apply those scriptures? Um, looking back on my friend who shared that Bible verse with me, uh, I thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit, that that the Spirit nevertheless took that um, life truth and pressed it deep within my heart, mm-hmm. even though it perhaps was shared with me at a time where I was resistant. But then again, looking back, maybe my resistance is what needed to be crumbled. So God, in His perfect timing, you know, allowed me to hear, and not only hear, but absorb truths that at first I thought were so repulsive, but then became life-transforming. So... I think we all just need to be sensitive when and how and where we apply certain scriptures. There's certainly, a, a mother who gives birth to a child with multiple disabilities—that's yeah. not the first Bible verse she's going to want to yeah. hear. So the challenge is asking the Lord Jesus, Father, these are Your words. How can I, how can I minister them, and in what form and when, you know, when? And uh, it's why I often do not give uh, the Johnny book, the autobiography I wrote. I don't give it to to young people who just mm. suffered a spinal cord injury. Mm. That, that's not a good time to, mm. to share the story of a, uh, a successful quadriplegic who's now smiling in her wheelchair. Mm. There's a time for weeping, the Bible says. Mm. And we should weep with those who weep, not, not uh, rejoice over their sorrow. Mm. So it, it just is a, it's, it's a matter of discernment and sensitivity, isn't it? Yeah. And asking the Holy Spirit, when, Lord, and how?
1: When you have someone in your life that has experienced that pain and that, that tragedy, and for the people listening to the podcast, they may have spent time with them in the hospital, they may be ministering to them, and they haven't rushed to those verses yet. But the person looks at them and says, I'm having a hard time believing the Bible really, really speaks to these issues I'm facing. What would be something that maybe you found helpful in those moments of darkness when they're saying, I don't know if the Bible's sufficient for these counseling problems. What would you say?
2: I would say I know exactly how you feel. If I were you in your position, I'd feel mm-hmm. exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. I really don't, I don't fault you. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you for holding those, you know, mm-hmm. views of God's word. I don't blame you one bit. Mm-hmm. But together, we're going to pray. We're going to we're going to become friends. Mm. We're going to build a relationship. That's the key. Mm. And I think over time, God will give us answers. Mm. So can we wait until then? Let's see. Okay. That's, that's a wonderful way to respond to somebody. Good. And, and I think that um, that degree of empathy.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I remember, I've got to throw this in real quickly. When my husband, Ken, and I were contemplating marriage, and he wanted to ask me to marry him, He took me to uh, spend time with his mother and father. Now, I had met his mother, a a strong Japanese woman, and and Ken Tata was her number one Ichiban son, and she had great hopes and aspirations. I'm certain for him to marry, I don't know, perhaps another fellow Japanese woman, who knows? But here I was, Caucasian, Mm. and not only Caucasian, I was in a wheelchair. Mm. And not just in a wheelchair, I was a quadriplegic. Mm. And I will never forget going to mom and dad taught us house for a, a sukiyaki dinner and um, after dinner Ken broached the subject of marriage that he wanted to propose to me and we were there to secure their blessing mm-hmm. and his mother turned to me with her eyes very wet and said but but you you, you have to understand I I don't see how this will work and she glanced at my wheelchair I said Mrs. Tata if I were you I'd feel just the same way I look at me and think this isn't going to work so please understand that I resonate, I get it I know what you're thinking and saying and I don't blame you or fault you one bit
4: Hmm.
2: I just want to over time demonstrate and prove to you that I think this will work and just that little bit of, aha, I get it, yeah. or I, I'm resonating with you, or I understand what you're feeling, really really took us a long way. And uh, we've been married 35 happy years. I was just
1: about to ask. A <laughs> right, a long
2: time. And uh, and before my mother-in-law passed away, she was a dear and close friend. She, she admired me and my achievements uh, as much, if not more, than my own mother. It was quite something. A great relationship ensued.
1: Mm. Praise the Lord. So you guys have been married for how long again? 35 years. 35 years. And maybe there's people listening to the podcast that they are affected by a disability. What would you say to them as they're thinking about pursuing marriage? Do you have any thoughts that you want to share with them?
3: I think the first thing I would say is, uh, as far as contemplating marriage to someone who's disabled, um, I know for, for a fact, maybe you know, I can just share that, that Johnny and I, without Jesus Christ in our lives, um, it wouldn't work mm. uh, you need something stronger in in uh, uh your life, whether you have a disability in a marriage or you know you're just getting married for the first time, but you need something more than what will sustain you for the first six months mm. um you know that that easy breezy boy, everything is looking great uh, floating on air. Uh, feeling that you get when you first get married, when reality starts to set in, um, and you realize you're going to be with this person for the rest of your life, uh, I think the thing that that uh, most has sustained both Johnny and I is exactly what I just said that that we both love Jesus, and and uh, he's been the sustaining force for us for 35 years.
2: I, I remember that when we were first married, after about a year or two, uh, Ken just became overwhelmed with the day-to-day routines of my disability. Now, I had help. I had outside help. Girlfriends, caregivers who would come and assist with uh, lots of personal care routines. But nevertheless, even with all that help, the the, the psychological burden Mm -hmm. of being married to someone like me was just a little overwhelming. And I'll never forget one night before bed, Ken sat on the edge of the mattress and Hands on knees, slump shouldered, looked down at the carpet and shook his head and said, "I can't do this. I, I feel so trapped." Mm-hmm. My first response as a newlywed was, "Well, where was your head when we got married? You think you're trapped? What about me? I'm really trapped. And and weren't you thinking when we when we walked down the aisle? Where didn't you know it was going to be this hard? And as soon as I said those words, I wished I could have stopped him back." in my mouth because I knew they were wrong and I kept saying oh Ken that's not me that's not like me I shouldn't have said that that's not me but it was me it is me and when I saw the the spew of accusations that came out of my mouth that revealed to me so much in my own heart that needed to be changed and over time there was change marvelous change not only in me but also in Ken To the point where, what, I guess 10 years ago, I started dealing with terrible chronic pain. And it meant Ken had to get up a lot during the night to turn me and reposition me in bed because to lie in one position for too long was too painful. And it was another night shortly after a painful episode when he sat on the edge of that same bed and slumped shoulders said, I feel like I I just can't do this. Remember that, hon.
3: I do, but we realized that uh, at that point, Johnny had had, and I had developed a um, a way of communicating with each other, which meant I felt much more secure in 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 sharing that with Johnny because she knew knew and knows that I love her, and sometimes the disability just kind of creeps in.
2: And I, I said to him, "Sweetheart, don't worry. i I don't blame you you're feeling trapped. This is, a, this is an icky trapping situation, and I get it. I understand what you're feeling, and I just want you to know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to applaud your every effort, appreciate your every gesture. I'm going to be your best friend through this. We're mm. going to get through this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be on the sidelines. We're going to walk through this together. We're going to move forward. We're going to do it we're going to do it together i believe in you and i believe that god's grace is sufficient mm. and it it was it was it was helpful mm. to have that kind of response rather than oh, well look at me yeah. i'm the one in pain mm. you know you're not i am mm. and it it um, those kind of moments where there's such transparency and honesty and mm. openness where your spouse feels trusting enough to be that vulnerable, Mm -hmm. what a precious thing. You better not squelch it or step on it or, you know, dirty the moment with your own selfishness. And so that's been the story of our marriage is is a constant um, dying to self Mm -hmm. and helping the other.
3: I want to say one other thing. Um, You know, Johnny is really my hero. Six years ago she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, boy, I tell you, it, it brought reality to both of us, and uh, I realized that I could lose my best friend.
2: Mm. But you didn't.
3: I still, I still <laughs> tear up. Um, I think what happened to us, though, whether it took a, a catastrophic diagnosis or you know, something that happens in your life, it just it brought reality to, to, to who we were on our journey. And um I think what it did for the two of us is it brought us closer together, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, we um I think fell in love with each other all over again. Mm-hmm. There was a time uh, when we didn't know how serious the diagnosis was going to be, or mm-hmm. you know how how you know what kind of stage this cancer was going to take, where we just sat outside on our uh anniversary just after Johnny had our operation and um, just enjoyed the... Backyard. The, the backyard, the wind through the trees. Hummingbirds. The birds, the hummingbirds. I mean, everything just took mm-hmm. on a whole different meaning.
2: Yeah, very sweet time together. Mm-hmm. You know, my hands don't work. I can't fold my husband's towels. I can't whip him up an omelet. I can't, uh, you know, fix him a steak diet. in. I can't rub his back. I can't do so many mm-hmm. things that most women do. But what I can do... Because you have to examine what is your giftedness here in this marriage? What can you bring to the table? And and it's, my gift is encouragement. And so I have made it an art to encourage my husband mm. and to affirm him. And if there's any tiny little seed of some Christ-like characteristic that I witness growing in his life, boy, I'm going to water it with kind words and affirming words like... Um, Ken, bless your heart for the way that you reached out to Haim, our neighbor. That was so cool of you to do that. You know, he, he knows that we're Christians, and to, to just do that, just to take in his garbage kit, that, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Just, just say things that you mean. It's not empty flattery. I'm not talking about empty flattery, but I'm talking about affirming the, the Christ-like characteristics in your spouse that you want to applaud and you want to see grow. And they will grow. Because God will use your your words of affirmation, and He will step into that person that God has created Him to be, and you can be a part of it by just visualizing it for Him. So, I can't whip up an omelet, but I think what I just described is so much more valuable than a Denver omelet with ham yeah. and eggs. I mean, I, I just think it's 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 good. It's it yeah. helps Him be the husband, be the man God wants Him to be.
1: Mm-hmm. The Bible talks about marriage glorifying God, and I just your marriage glorifies the Lord oh. in a wonderful, wonderful way. And that—that that is very encouraging. And praise the Lord for his kindness in your lives to be oh, able absolutely. to have that testimony.
2: Well, you know, it's, the Bible calls us to to die to self
1: mm-hmm.
2: and live to God and bless others. And marriage is a wonderful way to do that. Yeah. It's a wonderful way to die to your own wants and wishes and your own needs I mean oh my goodness I got married because I thought I was marrying a man who could meet my needs. <laughs> and you know I learned real fast in the early early years it's not going to work that way. Yeah. And but then I had that aha moment that I just described yeah. earlier when yeah. I was spewing all those awful things out you know, you think I'm trapped what about me? Yeah. Oh it must have sounded terrible. And it was so it was so revealing. Hmm. My 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 innermost being was poured out there like verbal vomit. Wow. And I and, and it was so revealing and and um so marriage is a daily dying to self and living for God and enjoying each other. Mm. Boy, it's just it's so much fun to be Ken's encourager. Praise a, the Lord. He's yeah. a great encourager.
1: Well you had mentioned a minute ago that you battled with cancer in was did you say two thousand ten? Two thousand ten. Okay. Um for I mean you you've experienced real and deep suffering and you mentioned chronic pain as well for people who are listening to the podcast who maybe they're listening right now and maybe they're in pain and they've heard us talk together about how the bible is sufficient for the counseling problems and they've heard us talk about how um, the word can help them but they're in pain right now and uh, they they're discouraged what would you say what are some maybe some Promises that you've held on to in the scripture in those moments that you would want to encourage them with
2: great question because just recently, Ken was driving me to work in the van, and it was one of those days where it was so hard to wake up in the morning i I wake up in the morning and i it, it's hard to get going with chronic pain and my quadriplegia it's a two hour routine of bed bath and exercises and toileting and strapping on my corset and having somebody else brush your hair blow your nose, brush your teeth and it it's, it's just hard. And, and on top of that, my pain was exacerbated that day. And Ken is driving me up the 101 freeway toward work, toward our headquarters at Johnny and Friends. And I feel like telling him to take the next exit and turn around and go, let's go home. I just am in too much pain. And I dread having to wheel into the building and, and smile at anybody. And I said to Ken out loud, I'm just, I've got to believe God is going to help me through this. And so I said out loud in a prayer because we always pray on the way to work
4: hmm.
2: together out loud in the van, make it a sanctuary of praise. So I said, Lord Jesus, Psalm 119 verse 50 says, my comfort and suffering is this, your promises renew my life this is what I'm going to do, Jesus. I'm going to start reciting as many promises of yours that I can possibly think of, because I know you are good to your word. You are going to renew. You are going to refresh my life. You're going to give me courage to face this day. So here we go. Lord Jesus, you promise me that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Lord Jesus, you promise me that even this fits into some pattern for good. Lord Jesus, you promise that that um, your grace is sufficient for every need. Lord Jesus, you promise me that that you were my ever-present help in any trouble. And I kept going on and on, Mm -hmm. past four or five exits on the freeway, just reciting out loud Mm -hmm. every promise I could think of. I'm going to hold you to this, Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus. I believe you're going to renew my life. This is my comfort in my suffering. Mm -hmm. You tell me that it is, and I believe it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to share with you those promises that I know you're good for. Mm -hmm. Sean, and i got to tell you, when I wheeled through that building 15 minutes later, I was a different woman
4: Mm.
2: i still had pain my hip hurt like crazy Mm. but i was different Mm. i had courage and it's just taking god at his word and believing him and squeezing every ounce of meaning that you think the holy spirit's going to give you out of it Mm. and and just believing it and um boy when you suffer and suffer hard, that's the way to live. It is the only way it is the biblical way to live. Mm. Take God's promises and live on them. They become your meat and your drink and and even at work um uh in this recording session right now, my friend Rainey is sitting over to the side and uh and she'll tell you uh, there are so many times at work where I have to ask her and another co-worker to please help me lay down I have a little office uh, bed help me adjust my corset, just pull my hip, just do anything you can. And often I will ask, and Rainy, put your nice cold hand on my hot forehead. Pray for me. I am failing. I need prayer. Mm -hmm. And she'll pray. And usually I'll get up and still the pain might be there. Sometimes it helps, but but I'm a different woman. Mm -hmm. I'm a prayed for woman. And I love that kind of vulnerability and i can't do this thing called life. would you please help me god what are your promises for the day you know this is the way we're supposed to live as christians not to boast in our affliction and to light in our limitations and glory in the insults and injuries and even the indignities of a disability because then we know god's power rests on us yeah. but we christians we get so caught up in the i don't know bright and the beautiful and and when we do that when we start cruising on how we think we know the christian life ought to be led i got this god you know what i've been to enough bible studies i've heard enough sermons i've got the lay of the land i pretty much know how to do this christian walk thing so i tell you what i'm gonna i'm gonna take it out through the day but if i do have any needs i'll check in with you Mm -hmm. you know that's the way so many of us live and we think that uh that needs are a messy inconvenience that pain or disability or problems in a marriage or roadblocks or dead ends we think these things are awful inconveniences in an otherwise uh, rosy life mm. Mm. and um uh, then god lobs a hand grenade into it all and blows it up with some you know <laughs> irritation or trial that seems so untimely <laughs> but it is all meant to um make us live needy lives we are needy people
1: mm. even as we've been spending a little bit of time together today, you talking about holding on to the precious promises of God in the Word. One of the ways I've just... I mean, we've spent a few hours together at lunch and whatnot. One of the ways I've just observed you doing that is through hymns. Yes. I've just noticed that you... You have a beautiful voice, and you like to sing. Mm. And I'm assuming that that encourages you often.
2: It was almost the way I was going to answer one of your earlier questions. Okay.
1: Well, I'd love to know, what are your top hymns that you love and do cherish?
2: Oh, gee. There's so many. (laughs) Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Love Mm. that one. And I love um, when I'm really feeling low and pain overwhelms me or I'm in bed at night, I might sing, Abide with me. Fast falls the even tide. When darkness deepens, Lord, with me, abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. These are just a few. But I love... Um, hymns about the glory and greatness of God all oh, hail the power of Jesus name let angels prostrate fall mm. I mean there's so many there's so many rich hymns that have such great orthodoxy in and, mm. and such rich truth in them mm. and this wonderful last line of that glorious hymn by Wesley Hear him, ye deaf, his praise, ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold, your Savior come, and leap ye lame for joy. Mm -hmm. That's me, leap ye lame for joy. One day I'm going to do that. It's so exciting. Amen. So those those hymns are a great way of um, of kind of reining in our emotions. Mm -hmm. Our emotions can run away with us, and we begin to have our reality colored by them which is such a dangerous thing. But hymns have a way of setting the tone for the day. You can indeed pray without ceasing. I have gone to work and I've been humming a certain hymn all day long. And oh my goodness, what is it? It's praying without ceasing. Yeah. It's just a way of keeping God's word and, and, and those life-changing principles coursing in your mind constantly through, through a song. Hmm. And we know how well songs stick with us. So, Great healing balm. There is a bomb in Gilead, and it's Jesus, and there are a million hymns written about him. so learn a few and memorize them and sing them often
1: That's wonderful What are some unique concerns maybe for caregivers of people who are affected with disabilities and what what can Christians do to help care providers? What would be anything any wisdom you have there
3: i think as a as a caregiver um one of the most important things to remember is you're you can't do it by yourself you've got to be able to reach out and um, you reach out in different ways but I think you know you you have a I I know uh, for myself I have a small group of men who support me in prayer Mm -hmm. and um, you know there are often times where where caregivers um, need a little break and uh, sometimes if you're a friend of a caregiver you If you can just offer up a little bit of respite time for for that caregiver to go out go shopping or or maybe go out if they're you know they're in that kind of situation to go out and do some exercising just to to get away for a little while but i think those uh those who are caregivers need those practical things in order to be able to function properly
2: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, i know uh one church where uh this is really recent a friend of ours um, she is a double amputee and uh, there's some secondary complications relating to now to her uh, sedentary condition mm-hmm. so she's she's getting older a little bit and her husband is her constant caregiver mm-hmm. and uh, finally their little church has has you know awakened to this need in their congregation and and they have a rotating group of women who come in and help uh, this woman with her Chores around the house because she likes to, you know, do a little bit of gardening and she likes a little bit of cooking and so they come and help her with that while, uh, while um, the husband goes golfing. He misses golf. He loves golfing and he had not golfed in in a couple of years and and, and how tragic for that for that couple. So uh, and, and it's just a rotating basis. So there's six or seven women who've just opted to learn how to do that. Just come and be a friend. Spend time with. You know, cook alongside her, do a little gardening with her, and uh, her husband gets to go golfing. A precious respite for the Saturday morning that enables him to come home and be energized for the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. And that's a simple task like that. Make all the difference to a caregiver.
1: Oh, that's really helpful. As we close, I know you have a newer book out. Uh, It's called A Spectacle of Glory. I'd love for you to tell our listeners about that new book and what made you want to, uh, to write it.
2: Well, I chose a Spectacle of Glory because of something that uh, John Owen had once written. Um, he was preaching a sermon on Exodus chapter 3, where Moses saw a flaming bush that was not consumed. And it says and I think, Exodus 3, I can't remember the exact verse. It says, I will go over and investigate this strange site, why the bush does not burn up. Hmm. So right there, I will go over and investigate why this bush is not burned up. And I like to think that we are Christians who suffer and suffer graciously, even sometimes with faults and failures, that we are those bushes that are not consumed, causing others to let me get near this person and understand this strange sight? Why, why her trials do not consume her? What is it about her God that is so great, that inspires such loyalty? I want to learn about this. And we become a spectacle of God's glory, a, a showcase of, of God's glory. So I wrote these um, devotional vignettes, 365 for the year, a daily devotional to help people Get actively engaged in your own sanctification so that you too can be a spectacle of God's glory, causing your neighbors and friends to think, whoa, how is it that she's able to handle that problem with such grace? Why is she not complaining? You know, these are the things that entice people to the Christian faith. They want to know why it is you live the way you do under the pressures that you face. And so this book is written to help people face those pressures with grace and with a, a, a good grab hold of scripture, hmm. and I, I think that uh, that all of us can and should be those spectacles of glory, those bushes unconsumed.
1: <laughs> that's that's a powerful analogy. I'd love, if you don't mind, for us to close the podcast with you praying for our listeners as, um, as they're thinking through the things mm-hmm. we've talked about, and then wanting to take uh, the next step to help people Mm -hmm. who have been affected by disabilities and maybe even the people who are in pain as well. I'd love for you to pray for us.
2: Father God, thank you for listening in on our conversation for superintending it for this time that we spend together. I ask you, Father God, to bless, pour out your blessing, pour out your mercy upon those who are listening right now, suffering from chronic pain or perhaps mothers, perhaps mothers of children with disabilities. Perhaps uh, women who are in that sandwich generation of tending to young children at the same time an elderly parent or others who perhaps are struggling in their marriages or jobs Perhaps your mercy be the balm and Gilead that you are show them your tender loving care and kindness and be the generous god that we know you to be by giving grace upon grace to all those who seek you this day And in turn, enable us then to move beyond our afflictions and our inconvenient, difficult circumstances to see the needs of those around us. Because indeed, there are people who live on our block, who live down the road, who live across the street, who live on the other side of town, people that we know, even relatives, family members, that are hurting, are broken, discouraged, depressed. Father, help these friends listening. Right now, to my voice, to be salt and light, to be the conduits, the the vessels of your um, grace and forgiveness, your joy and your strength, your courage and your valor, your love and your tender mercy. Help us to be attuned and awake to the needs around us, and help us to meet those needs for the sake of the church and for bringing many more people into the kingdom. And most of all, for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's, to, it's his name we pray these things, Lord Jesus. Amen.
0: You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. And this week, you've been listening to a conversation with Johnny Erickson Tata and her husband, Ken. I'm really thankful that we've had the opportunity to have this conversation with Johnny because... For those of you who listen to Truth and Love regularly, you might not have much exposure in how to do ministry with those who are disabled. If that is you, then I want to invite you to visit Johnny at her ministry's website, johnnyandfriends.org, to find out more about how to be involved in that kind of ministry. And perhaps you're listening to Truth and Love this week with not a lot of information about how to provide biblical care in the context of counseling. This is something that we've talked a lot about on the podcast this week. And for example, the discussion of mental illness came up. If you would like more information on how to think about mental illness from a biblical perspective, then I want to invite you to visit our website where we've taken a lot of time to articulate a careful position on a biblical understanding of mental illness and medicine and things like that. You can look at our standards of conduct. You can look at a statement from our board on mental illness. And if you're interested in that kind of information, then I want to invite you to visit us at biblicalcounseling.com.